0: Well, hey, we are in uh, a series called All In. And so we're going to continue with that today. And um, the three things that we're talking about, the three uh, messages that we're going to do in this series, I'm going to do them uh, one time publicly, and then I'm going to rehash them in uh, maybe like smaller segments for what we call the All In Partnership class. And so you're by default, sorry if you're visiting today, but you're in a partnership class. <laughs> and it's to ask the question all in with a question mark. And and to address some of the things that people are asking when they're looking for a church family. If you're not asking, maybe some questions you should be asking, right? Uh, if you're searching for a church to, and, a, and a family to belong to. And, and those are, what do we believe? And so we did that last week. You can look back on that if you want. Or you can sign up for the partnership class that just opened up um, uh, and then it's what do we do? We're going to talk about that today. Maybe a little bit how we do it, but what do we do? What are we really here for? And then on the third one next week, we're going to talk about what really defines partnership. What does it really mean to partner with your local church family? Is that okay? So we're gonna. That, those are the three that we're going to hive off. Now, if you if you haven't gotten it, you don't look back, and you still have more questions for us. The, the the first um, all-in class is actually open for registration. We already got two registered, by the way, and you can find that uh, it's on May the 13th from 6 to 8, and we'll do this a few times a year, so if you miss it, we'll do it again. It's on a Monday night. Look at your church center app under sign ups you can find it there or on our website under next steps, and then under partnership you can find it there uh, scan the QR code in front of you. we love doing that so but, but you can come in and, and maybe meet the pastors a little more personally and ask your questions and, and cover some of the bases, and so uh, we're going to do that and um, again today the focus will be what are we here to do but but also, like we did the previous uh, uh, previous Sunday, how many like the open question time? You guys were trying to stump me just a little bit. It was really good. Um, we're going to do that again, and so you do that by scanning the bar anytime during the message. Scan that bar uh, QR code in front of you. Look for the All In. It should be right at the top, and ask a question that you would want to know of what we believe as a church, or and what we're honing in on today uh, this Sunday is. What exactly are we here to do? You might have a question around that. Now, there was one question that came in last week, which was really good, and it came from multiple sources, so I wanna quickly address it. I don't have time. It's actually a message in and of itself, but I thought I would do something publicly, and then I'd love to send you something privately if you would reach out to us. But the question was, do we preach once saved, always saved, or eternal salvation? Uh, There's a a few things that that, uh, people call that, that doctrine of once saved, always saved. Maybe you know it as, as something else we don 't preach it uh, like like that. Um, Christian belief requires faith'm i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little more slowly so you get this because I don 't have time to preach this, but Christian belief and walking with the Lord requires you to believe in faith, right? Unless you're innocent as a child, you're not there yet, or someone that has, uh, does not have all their mental capacities, they're not there yet, we call those innocent, right? And so they're, they're gonna go to heaven, right? But you that can make a decision, this is your day to choose. And when you get saved, you still have the ability to choose. Scripture says, uh, talks about those who have fallen away from the faith, well, you can't fall off of something if you were never on something. You can't fall off of a wagon that you never got on, and so you still have the ability to choose to say, "I no longer believe." And I have heard of the heard of these folks. You know, some even Christian leaders in the last decade or so have said uh, what I did believe, and then some you know, I no longer believe, and some have then gone after that and said, well, then they never did believe. You know, things of that nature. Well, you, that's not really falling away, then, is it? That's posing to be a Christian when you never were, and that is possible. Maybe some of those folks were. So we cannot preach it that way. You still get to choose, man. God is not such a horrible father that he would force people to spend eternity with him if they no longer like him, they no longer serve him, no longer want to be in his presence, he will not force it. Now, the reason that question comes most times is because folks are living such a life. Oh, come on. Now I'm preaching it anyway. Here we go. They're living such a life of up and down and not all in and scattered and still dealing with sin issues that they're wondering if, Week by week, God accepts them when they repent and then kicks them out. I think that's where a lot, and, and I don't know that that, those of you that asked that question, I don't know if that's where you are or not. I'm just throwing some ideas out there. And I would love to give you my, the whole dissertation that I found, it's like that long. I would love to send it to you by email. Reach out to hello at My Grace Church or, or send in a Connect card or, or scan, scan it. Hey, scan the QR code in front of you. Let's stick to that. Send into this questionnaire all in and say, I would like that. Uh, dissertation, then I can give you the whole long thing. But listen, the, the, it's not the way that it works. When you're saved by faith, God accepts you, and I really think it's really difficult for him to kick you out, if that makes sense. Who, and back, back to the garden, who hid from who? Did God hide from Adam and Eve, or did Adam and Eve hide from God? See, it's, it's a matter of what we believe and how we preach this grace-based gospel, God suffers long and he contends with men and women for a long, long time, even in the Old Testament, hundreds of years before he brought accountability to their life. When God decides they're no longer, I don't know, you know, maybe at the time of death he has to make up his mind. He's the righteous judge and I trust in him. How about you? I trust in him to make up his mind about that. But I personally do not live in fear of losing my salvation. Why? Because it's a walk of faith and I don't wake up going, I hope hope I act saved today. I hope I stay saved today. I actually don't do that. I put that to rest because by faith, I am saved through the blood of Jesus Christ and it's a finished work of the cross. Does that make sense? You okay with that for now? Okay, so no, we can't preach it that way. You, still, you can still run and hide if you, if, if you want to. Um, okay, let's move on. Um, so send in your questions as I keep talking, but today I wanna hone in on this question. What, what in the name of all things righteous are we here to do? What's this whole church thing all about? Why do we even gather? You know, should we just meet in homes? Should we have a tent? <laughs> is this building okay? What, the, actually, the church is you, right? The church is people. What are we actually here to do? Man, Alicia and I were, were pastors for about seven years at a place called Lifeway Church before we came over to Grace Church. And it dawned on us very quick in the ministry that. The idea of what we're here to do varies about as much as people, themselves. And um, I'm gonna tell you the worst one and then I'm gonna uh, be more broad. And, and I say, uh, I'm gonna tell you the best one and I say this very sarcastically, this is the sarcastic part of me coming out, but I got a call from an elderly gentleman the one day And we were we were both care pastors. I was the associate pastor. Alicia was a women's care pastor, well, a family care pastor. And we would we would work on a lot of these issues together with people's families and their lives. And so I got a call and uh, and I called him right back. Come on, I was really good. I would call him back the same day. He left me a message saying, I need help, you know, something like that. So I call him back and say, Hey, what, what can we do for you? He's like, Well, I just got home from the hospital, somebody dropped me off after this extensive surgery, I'm home alone. Um, I can't move, I have no ability to get up, to feed myself, to go to the bathroom, and I told them that Lifeway Church would care for me from here on out. Right? (laughs) And I'm going, huh, what? (laughs) And I said, sir, I'm I'm really glad that you called because I wanna know that you're going through a rough time. I didn't know you were having surgery. It's good for us to know that but we're not a nursing facility. I don't have anybody at my disposal. I'm not well-trained either, not trained at all, to care for you around the clock until you're recovered fully. You're going back to the hospital, sir. And he was really, really angry with me. Matter of fact, it wasn't long after that he left the church. You know, he left the local church. Why? Because we couldn't be a 24-7 nursing facility for him. I said, if you can't care for yourself, I don't know who your friends are that would drop you off at home and just let you on the sofa, unable to care for you. That's crazy. So they actually picked him up in the ambulance and took him to, come on, rehab. I can visit you at rehab. Now I'm getting to my main point of the message, and it's going to be my main point the whole way through, although we'll talk about a few things. The main reason a church exists is for you to encounter God, is for you and I to come into a place where we get supernatural help, and then secondary thirdly, fourthly if that's a thing, fifthly, we can we can do all the other things that people bring to the table except it's not our primary thing that we're here to do. Does that make sense? And are we okay with that? Because we can get into hundreds of different ideas as to what a church is called to do. Some churches are missions-focused, and they really put every single ounce of energy into missions. Is it wrong? No. But encountering God should be first. I will contend for that to the day I die. Because you can do a lot of things without a God encounter. Come on, somebody. You can feed the the hungry. And when we built the the, the place called Lifeway Church, we took over a part of the Lebanon Valley Mall, and we built an auditorium so we didn't have to set up and tear down every week. And then they're like, well, where are we going to do a food bank? And I'm like, we're not going to have a food bank. There's already two food banks in Lebanon. Let's partner with them. Are you kidding me right now? Like, we'd have to have space for a third one. This is ridiculous. I didn't say it to their face, but I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. And then I got a call saying, we need to house the homeless in, in here as well, because that's what churches do. I said, no, we, we actually have a place in Lebanon. There's three places in Lebanon to house homeless people. Can we work with them to house the homeless people, right? So, so it's like everybody had their idea that a church should be all things to all people. And here's, here's what a church should be. Now, I, I'm on a soapbox. You still okay? I'm not even on my notes anymore. I'll try to get back there someday. I want a place and a platform besides Facebook. Thank you, God, for Facebook. But not a lot of people like Facebook anymore, and I'm one of them. Uh, and I would like to find a platform where we all do care for each other's needs. I think that's awesome for a church to do that. But here's, here's, the, here's what it's like. It's like a potluck. In other words, the gift that you bring is a gift that can be available. When you go to a potluck and they, don't have the, they don't, aren't serving the lobster that you so desperately want, what are you going to do? You're not going to eat lobster. I'm sorry. But see, when people have a gift and they bring it to the potluck and they say, mashed potatoes, you can have mashed potatoes, right? When people come to the potluck, and there was a, there was a gal back at Lifeway, she said, I have, now she wasn't using her degree, but she, she, was, she had a degree in math and she loved tutoring kids. She said, there's, there's no more satisfaction I get. She was a busy mom. She, she wasn't working in the workplace, but she was a busy mom. And she said, I love helping kids. If you run across anyone that is struggling in school, especially in the area of math, just hook me up. I would love to do that. Now life we didn't put it into their policies that we're a you know we <laughs> we're a tutoring church does that make sense whatever comes into the potluck we can offer to the people and we did that lo and behold a couple months later there's a young man who was failing in school and I said look this, this gal can actually help you. Can we set them up with this tutor part-time? And she did, and she mentored him and tutored him through until he was successful. And so that's what we can do. And listen, back to my precious gentleman who thought we were around-the-clock nursing care. If someone would have come to Lifeway Church and said, I don't have anything else better to do with my life right now, or I'm a retired nurse, or I have time, rather, I would love to do this. That's a different story, isn't it? But I didn't have that. And, and, it, and quickly, my, what's my point? What is your point, Pastor Vern? Get to the point. My point is that in all of our things that we believe church should and shouldn't do, we can lose track of the main thing. And the main thing must always be, number one, we're here to encounter God. <clears throat> amen and amen. So our vision is we exist to share the transforming message of God's grace so that every generation and ethnicity and culture, somebody say everyone. Everyone can expect a miracle. And that means God encounters. So our main job is always to connect you with God and to introduce you to this person called Jesus Christ. Man, I believe, and I actually went through a season. I'm going to get another soapbox, I can tell. I went through a season where everybody that I met with and almost everybody that I was counseling, and I just do pastoral counseling, I'm not a licensed counselor by the state of Pennsylvania, I'm a pastoral counselor, is that okay? I went through a season where I would pause almost every meeting and say, what has God said to you so far? You know what I ran into time and time and time again? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, and if this is you, that's okay. This is where we are. Most of the time, they said, I don't know. And isn't that the main problem then? We can't hear God. As a church, as God's kids running around going, what are you saying to me, Lord? I don't know. Isn't that first and foremost where we should start? What if your marriage would get healed because you hear a word from God? What if your body would get healed? What if the mess at your workplace, what if the finances, what if the place you start is a God word, is a God encounter to where you go, I know what to do from here. At least I know what God is saying in my life. Man, what if that would save you hundreds of hours with a licensed counselor? And we're all for that, by the way. I'm not dissing licensed counselors, Christian counselors. We have a list of them if you need them. Licensed Christian practitioners. But what if the main thing should still be the main thing and we teach and equip every saint, somebody say every saint, right. that God can speak to them and that they're equipped to hear from God and have a God encounter, a face-to-face moment where they can feel healed in that moment and that takes them through the next season and not just my counseling. Then right. I've known people, come on, now I'm getting a little weird, I have known people that actually know the Bible book to cover to cover. And they don't, they've never really had a supernatural God encounter with the author of the Bible. Think about that for a moment. It's just knowledge at that point. Okay, let's move on. Colossians 1:17. And he is before all things. It's talking about Jesus Christ. In him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might have preeminence. He might be preeminent. Somebody say preeminent. I love that word. Preeminent means surpassing all things, very distinguished in some way, meaning first and foremost. Is that okay? For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And so we believe that worship is a lifestyle, not just an act for Sunday mornings, and that his presence is the difference in all things. God's presence is the difference in all things. It's our mission, then, to provide a space for everyone to encounter God and to allow him to move and change us. It doesn't mean we won't minister. It doesn't mean we won't equip and preach right? It's all scriptural. It's all biblical. We're going to have leaders and equippers and trainers in the body of Christ, but it all should be to where you have your own God experience. It'd be a shame if you attended church for years, but never encountered the head of the church himself supernaturally. More than a relationship with the church or the pastors, you need an intimate, personal relationship with the creator himself. You don't just need word and doctrine preached. You need an encounter with the author of the doctrine and the word, amen? Jesus Christ. That's why it's called the living word, by the way. As old as this book is, the author is still alive. <laughs> so in Exodus 3, Moses was tending his father's flock, right? Some of you heard this story. and. He was out in the, in the country somewhere. He saw a burning bush that was not con- it was burning but not consumed. He turned aside and he approached it and he heard God speaking to him. If y'all read, if y'all listened to the old, uh, I think it was the, what's it called? Covenant movie, the 10 Commandments movie. It was like, Moses, Very creepy. I'd be running for my life. I wouldn't go toward it. I'd go away from it, that's for sure. It was really that creepy. But um, no, it probably wasn't, but Moses ran toward it. And from that encounter, um, he said, I'm going to go back and lead the Israelites out of captivity because he heard the word of God so clearly. Somebody say, God encounter. God encounter. What a radical change. And Elijah, in the, same, in the same type of God encounter, but just a little bit different, you're reading 1 Kings 19, uh, where he was with God on Mount Horeb, as it's called, and he was fleeing from Jezebel, who was threatening his life. Um, and he didn't know what to do. He was having a moment. He was having a down and out moment with God. And, and he experienced this great wind, the word says. And then it was an earthquake after that. And then even after that, there was this fire that he saw. But none of those were God's voice to him. And then after that, it said a still small voice came to him. And God started to speak to him. Somebody say still small voice. And sometimes it's a whisper, God encounter. And sometimes that's all we need. And what if you're like Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, receiving a, an angelic visitation where the Holy Spirit worked through an angel to tell her that she would carry, the, the she become pregnant and carry the Messiah. What a different type of God encounter that is. And in Psalm 1611, King David says, you make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, listen, in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Somebody say God encounter, and that undid him and it changed his life forever. Caused him to build a tabernacle of David where he would have God encounter after God encounter after God. How about how about this? You're now the tabernacle of David. That's right. Oh come on somebody, that's another message altogether. But that's what you are. You're a walking tabernacle. He is now tabernacled among us, saying, my dwelling is now among men. He's done moved on up inside of you. The mystery of the gospel called uh, Paul refers it as the mystery of Christ within the hope of glory, where you go from God encounter to God encounter to intimate God encounter. And that is your lot in life. That is your calling upon every saint that is, in the sound of my voice, that you go from one mountaintop experience to another, one voice to another, daily, monthly, weekly, yearly, where you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've been in the presence of God. And he doesn't leave me. He doesn't forsake me. He leads me and guides me and directs me, just like the Holy Spirit promised. James 4.8 says, draw near to God, and he's going to draw near to you. That means make room for him, just as we sang about a few moments ago in Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, So what does that mean? We take time to pray and also take time for listening prayer. Come on. And then we take time for meditating, meditating on the word of God, meditating on what he's saying to me, maybe even journaling that, to cry out to Him, to study Scripture, to learn to worship Him in every season. Again, like we just sang a couple minutes ago, in every circumstances, all these things. What did what they do? They position us for God encounter. I don't. I'm not. I'm not a workspace God encounter person. Like I don't jump through hoops or stand on my head or do a certain routine to work out or play a certain type of worship song where I. I <laughs> Some of y'all might do that where you have your ritual, like I encounter God only this way. I'm not really like that. I break it up because God is, is not ritualistic in that regard. He can meet me wherever I am. But I do position myself daily, and I know that this is God's heart for you you and I both, is to to get into position where I put all my gadgets aside, where I put the circumstances aside, where I sit on my favorite sofa, and I say, I'm here, and my only agenda right now is to encounter you. And the rest of the time, I can have, you know, worship music playing, I can be listening to messages or reading God's word, understand all that too, but sometimes... I get into a position where my heart, I make sure that, I'm, that it's only that, the author of, of this Bible is going to speak to me, and I don't, I don't want to put it in a box for you, so you okay with that? But daily, daily, there's a God encounter for you, and I think this church is ripe for the harvest, and, and what, I mean, what I mean by that is there's, there's, a, there's a ripeness of harvest in this region, but this church is on the brink of God encounter moments that are that are gonna be so extreme that your children's children's children will hear about it. Amen, Amen somebody. Um, I wanna get the, the full testimony out to you. Maybe we'll do it on First Friday, but I just heard this morning in the men's group that meets on Monday night, there was someone that was testifying of freedom from cancer. And I'm gonna get the full story. Um, out out to you, so I don't miss the details, because I hear things, and then when I repeat it too quickly, I'm not sure if I get it, but um, Barry and Jason will will, will help me, or others will help me get this story out to you, but I I love to be encouraged by what God is doing, amen, somebody, hallelujah, somebody say more, Lord, okay, number two, I gotta move along, or we'll be here till three o'clock, number two, some of y'all are like, that's good, I love it, Good, I'm gonna calm down. So number two is we experience freedom. Now, this freedom journey that we're on, um you know, trips some people up because some people have stopped that I'm saved. What more do you want, pastor? Well, I believe that with salvation comes freedom from every stronghold and freedom from every addiction and freedom from every lie that we might have believed over the years. And unfortunately, I teach it in such a way that the freedom journey, it's not justification. It's called sanctification. It takes time to journey out of Egypt. Come on, somebody. It doesn't mean that you're not on your way to heaven. What it means is you're you're learning to let go of the past. As we heard from my friend Vince, you're learning to let go of every addiction, let go of every hurt in life, let go of everything that trips you up, even every bad habit, and introduce new habits into your life of encountering God. And this freedom journey takes time. That's why we call it a freedom journey. Some folks, even in Christendom, hate that concept because they're like, what more do you want? Just declare the word. And that's true. It does help to declare the word, but sometimes you have to declare it and declare it and partner with the Holy Spirit to journey fully into freedom. Otherwise, you stay looking like the world when you're declaring something else. And that should not be the case. Christians are actually supposed to not only encounter God, but then live a different life. And I'm gonna put a plug in for the next series already. It's gonna be called Culture Wars because we are in an all-out culture war against the kingdom of God where some Christians are okay looking like the world while declaring themselves to be different. It actually doesn't work, does it? Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, in Acts 13, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And in 2 Corinthians three seventeen, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen, somebody. So freedom focus is necessary in a church like this. Otherwise, Christians stay baby Christians. It doesn't mean you're not Christian, but you stay shallow and you stay contending with the same things that you've been contending with for the last decade since you got saved and never walking free from them. Does it mean we're perfect? No. Christ Jesus is the only perfect one, but he has come to set the captives free, starting with us in the mighty name of Jesus. Okay, okay. I'm going to skip over another verse because it's it's just reiterating the same thing. I think you got it and I'm going to move on. Number three, we connect with others. Now, um, this is what we're here to do. Number first, number one, we're here that everyone would have a God encounter. Without that, what does it matter with all the other things, right? And then out of that, you experience the freedom that belongs to you as a son and daughter of the most high God and walk in it. And then number three, we're made to connect with others and scripture is rampant, scripture is full of verse upon verse and scripture upon scripture that have the words one another. The one anothering of scriptures. People have actually written whole books about the one another's in scripture because love one another, forgive one another, contend for one another, carry one another's burdens, and on and on and on and on. It says love one another, love one another, about seventeen times in the one translation alone. And and I my question in John thirteen it says a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, right? My question for you is how do you do this when you're always alone? When you don't meet up with the saints. It says, you know, there's a place where it says, don't forsake the gathering of the saints. Does it mean that you have to get into the church building? Not necessarily. Saints gather around the world in multiple, multiple, multiple different ways. How many know this word applies to every, every place and every, every place on the planet? Including places like Vietnam where they have to meet, you know, secretly. And including places like China where if they would meet publicly like this, then not only would their Bibles get burned... Uh, many Christians in China still don't own a Bible, by the way, because they continue to get con- confiscated and then they get persecuted and their heads chopped off. And there's some serious persecution. However, so they meet underground and very very secretly and very privately. What I'm saying is, though, they're more desperate to meet than we are sometimes. Because the one another's of Scripture cannot be lived out when we isolate ourselves from the culture that we're meant to be a family. And okay. So connected with one another. And so that's the reason for spaces like this, for spaces like this, where we get equipped for, for this kind of thing. And, and then where we have youth group and children's, children's ministry and all the groups that we're meeting in right now, I was going to look before I came up how many groups we have, but we even have new groups starting, and so you'll get notice about that. But, but meeting in small groups is what I'm talking about. But th- even things like First Friday, and even things like the reptile show that we put on, all those, all those things are to get you around other people. Why? So that it fosters more God encounter, and it fosters more freedom. How many know a lot of these things happen out of relationship with one another? Before I move on too quickly, I'm gonna, I want to beseech you. I never use that word in normal language, but when I'm in the pulpit, I just say, I use weird words. I want to beseech you, therefore, brethren, back to King James, to own it. Own the fact that connecting with fellow believers is scriptural, is biblical, and it's on you to make it happen. You know what I did with a lot of folks that I've been walking with over the years that struggled in this area? Standing in the foyer like this, wondering why nobody wants to say hi to them. (laughs) If that's you, I'm not even sorry. There's something, there's the Holy Spirit living inside of you that is not in that frame of mind, and so get into the Spirit, unfold your arms, and say hi to someone, and then go home, go to McDonald's, I don't care, or, inv- or invite them to McDonald's, but it is on you. <laughs> Do you know what I said to a lot of folks? Let me get back to my story. I asked them, what is your budget for connecting with others? And that, that actually, suddenly, the true colors come out. I have not met a single person yet, when, but asking that question, that actually had a budget for connecting with others. Maybe you don't even have a budget. You're like, when I get money, I spend money. I don't, I don't know how you do your budgeting. But they hadn't thought about it. Does that make sense? They hadn't actually thought about what, how much money in my budget should go toward offering someone pizza on our deck or inviting someone to lunch or having a family over, you know, and I'm going to make a steak on the grill. People don't think about it. And they're so unintentional. So unbiblical. (laughs) Come on, somebody. If we're going to be biblical, it takes intentionality. Somebody say intentionality. I want to make sure you're still awake out there. Don't hate on me. I'm telling you that God is doing something in our culture whereby this returns to the church. So not only are we known for God encounter, we're actually known for a place of freedom, but we're known for a place that actually has learned to connect super, super well and carry carry one another's burdens and pray for one another and love love one another, love one another, love one another. And that happens all the time in a lot of different spaces. You okay with that right now? Okay, okay, so own it. Determine in your heart that connection with others is for you and make room for it, amen and amen. We can lead a horse to water, but we cannot force them to drink. Do you ever hear that phrase? And so what we can do is help to create spaces, but we can't force relationships to happen. We can't say, now you're gonna be best friends with that person, it just doesn't work that way, does it? But that's where you get to participate with what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. Okay, then of course, number four, um, we wanna equip you to change your world. And we said it very specifically, change your world because, um, I've said this before, I think, but if we can't change the world right here around us in our family, our workplaces, and in our culture, and our neighborhood, what well, makes us think that we're going to be super effective if we branch out to other cities and other nations? Because really, it starts with you learning to contend for what's in your circle, in your sphere of influence right now and it's a, and, and so we put it we put it very specifically to change your world. We believe that Jesus calls us to reach the lost and tell them about the good news of God's grace, right? But it's changing our local community, but then also we do partner with others in global outreach for the sake of the gospel. And so you know, our whole outward missions focus is, is under construction right now. And we're gonna sort of, uh, you know, figure all that out as we go forward, where to put missions money. Cause some of you give to missions every month, which is fantastic, wonderful. Now, I believe local missions and foreign missions can all be under the same umbrella because it's still mission to reach the lost and help people out there in a variety, variety of ways, right? You know my heart for that. But, um, but right here is where we equip people then, to be a change agent in your world. And he gave some of us to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, right? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not a pulpit evangelism necessarily, although I hope that I get more, lead more people to the Lord for sure. But it's equipping so that when you go out those doors, you know what to do. And you're feeling bold in your spirit to share God's love with someone this week. You okay with that? Okay. Now I'm going to get real practical. Some of you take a deep breath and wake up a little bit. Let me get to just real practical because uh, you know this is. Uh, remember, this is a partnership class. I will try not to bore you to death, but um, how we do it really matters to some people. So how we do all of what we of what we do matters how we do it. So things like church services on a Sunday morning however many we decide to have eventually, things like kids ministry, youth ministry, all our small groups, and then all the events throughout the year, like First Friday and all these other things, including our prayer times, are all ways of using this place and this space to encounter God, administer freedom, give you an opportunity to connect with others, and then get you equipped to change your world. Now, a lot of people ask, what type of church are we in church government? This is where most people are like, I am, I am done, I'm going to lunch. Um, but let me just breeze over it real quick, and then you can ask me more specific questions. We're kind of a mix between an Episcopal-led church and what I would call a Presbyterian-led church. An Episcopal church is more so what we are. We're not Episcopalian under the denomination Episcopalian. It's a, it's a type of church government that I'm talking about. Uh, same with Presbyterians. Presbytery, Presbytery-led is different than the denomination of Presbyterians. You okay with that? So, Some people are like, what? We're Presbyterian? No, 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 we're not. We're not Episcopal or Greek Orthodox either. We've escaped. Thank you, Lord. But the type of church government that's Episcopalian in nature means that it's pastor-led. In other words, I am the president of the nonprofit organization called Grace Church, Pastor President. All right. So my oldest daughter calls me that ever since I got ordained because she was here. She's like, hey, Pastor President. You know, every time she sees me now, she likes it. So I was like, okay, here we go. New name for <laughs> new name for Pastor Vern. <laughs> and then Alicia was set in on the board as well as my vice president of the board the board of trustees okay and so but what that gives what gives me is a lot of authority very very sobering authority for sure And so then to balance all that out, what we have is is a board of trustees okay, that surround me and help to approve what we call the budget, help to approve other board uh, trustees and things like that. And so it's led by, of course, Pastor Vern and then Pastor Alicia. But right now we have three other board of trustees. That's why it's kind of a mixture of we're Episcopalian in nature as far as government, but also we then go like this and sort of submit ourselves purposely to the presbytery. So when, when there's like all these people leading as a team, that's called preju- pre- presbytery. Now, I'm, now I can't even say the word, I said it so often. So the board of trustees is myself and Pastor Alicia, and then it's A.J. Horst, James Kahinde, and Harrison Deal serve on the board right now. Can we thank them for serving? I don't know if you guys even knew that they're there. They've done a fantastic job. They served Pastor Ray for many years. It varies in how many years they all served. They've done a fantastic job of looking at the budget, managing you know, behind the scenes. We've been meeting about once a month and, and uh, probably would do that going forward. Harrison does want to retire. I think he's 88, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so we're going to look for someone else to, to replace him at some point. And we're working on that right now, inviting and interviewing. And so apart from that, the bylaws also give room for what's called an elder board. Now that's different. Board of trustees, of course, you want them to be spirit-filled men or women of God. Amen, somebody? But their main focus is church government and budget and expansion and things like you know acquiring land and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of the conversation for board of trustees is a little more practical in nature. We always pray. We always still try to hear God. You should be hearing God for your own personal budget too, by the way. It's not just practical. It's everything spiritual when you're a spirit being. Come on, somebody. You are spirit living in a body. Okay. I keep going into other messages. (laughs) You have a soul. You're a spirit being. So we pray about all things, no matter what it is. But the board of trustees is there for that reason, for those governmental purposes to help me stay on track, right? they can vote me out if I fall off the deep end, by the way if I get into extreme heresy, if I'm mismanaging money, and so that ought to make you feel safe because I have given them, and we have given them the authority to all vote apart from me and can vote me out if I get crazy on you, okay? That's very important for you to know because yes, it's a pastor-driven church. It doesn't mean I get to do whatever I wanna do and still hold on to my position and become a cult leader or something like that, okay? But apart from that, I believe that it's very important and the bylaws allow for a separate group of elders now the elders are, are slightly different in nature, and, and so we'll spell this out as we ordain some of them or bring them onto a group. But there can be men and women who are fathers and mothers in the faith, and they, they contend for the spiritual atmosphere of the place. When they think about, they might not think about budgets so much and acquiring, you know, property or rebuilding or whatever, but they're gonna think about the spiritual atmosphere of the place and surround that. They're like the gatekeepers of the congregation. So technically, right now, Alicia and I serve. Serve as that, and so do a lot of other people, but they're not really named as such, and so our bylaws uh, say that we should have both in place, and so we're going to work on that this year. Is that okay? If you give me some names... That'd be great, too. I don't mind. We can we can uh, interview. Okay. Right now, we have staff that manage the church throughout the week, and the staff exists of four full-time and five part-time. We're going to try to be as frugal as we can with that so that we don't overstaff. But in the places where we cannot serve, where it doesn't make sense for volunteers to serve, we do hire some staff to keep the balls rolling and to to keep this place afloat, to keep the lights on, come on somebody, you know, and to keep the things programmed and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so we're going to be very careful with that, of course, but um, right now it's four full time and, and five part time, and we'll see how far that takes us, but we'll take it as we need it. So, all right, we have a few minutes. What questions were you throwing at us while this was going on? Did, did any come in, Pastor Alicia? And if not, that's okay.
1: Testing, testing. It's working.
0: Hey, it worked this time. That's awesome. Okay,
1: let's see. Here's a question about um, the Sabbath and asking why we would meet on a Sunday versus a Saturday because I know there's some discussion around when should you meet to, quote, unquote, do church.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've I've been asked that a few times. I don't have scriptures ready for you, so what I could do is reply better to that later, including scriptures. And so the Sabbath actually means Saturday. Saturdays actually was, the Jewish would have, uh, and they still do today, even modern day Jews meet on Saturday and not Sunday. Sunday would have been the first day of the month, um, the first day of the week, sorry, to go back to work, mainly, and so they would have met on a Saturday, perhaps. Why do we meet on a Sunday? Because it's cultural, and um, you don't have to call it Sabbath if you don't want to. Here's what I believe. Jesus said, I am the Sabbath, and he did actually not stand with the holy days anymore. Matter of fact, he let his disciples go pick grain on the Sabbath day, which would have been Saturday, and eat it, and even prepare it, and then he really, really went after the Pharisees and... He kind of called them all kinds of names, which was really rude. But um, <laughs> but he but he busted on them for their high and holy days. And he said, I am the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath rest. What I believe now about the Sabbath is not only, number one, do you rest in the Lord and you reach a place where you you dwell with him and he dwells with you. But I also believe it is good to have a day where you take and you set yourself aside for that purpose, if at all possible. And if it happens to be Sunday, great. If this is your day to focus on the Lord and make him a priority, you pray, you spend time with him, that's great. It could be an act, a favorite activity that you enjoy, but distance yourself from the workload that you have. Even if you're a stay-at-home mom or, or, or dad and nowadays, you know, it's good for you to have some time where you take a Sabbath rest, right? Practically, but we're no longer bound by ritual on a specific day. Is that okay for now?
1: Yeah, if you all have questions, we invite you to Go ahead and scan that QR code. There's not a lot coming in.
0: Okay. That's okay um, would there too. be
1: anything from last week that would be helpful to cover for the yeah.
0: general church? Yeah, no worries. No worries. If there's any more, spit them out. Okay, good. I said it all.
1: <laughs> oh, we got some more coming in.
0: Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll give it just another minute and then we're going to move on. That's okay. And in the future classes that we have, I want it to be interactional, um, you know, where you get to know us and you get to know the heart of the church, where you come in and, and new people that are showing up at Grace, direct them to those classes to say, sign up, and they can get to know a little bit of our DNA and what we believe and what we're here to accomplish. You ought think, to know this if you're going I think we would partner. have covered
1: this a little bit last week, but this person is asking about... Um, the church teaching people to prophesy, heal the sick, cast out demons, and I think maybe the question would be, is that something that we would believe here at Grace Church?
0: We do believe that. When I say we're a continuationist church, I believe that all the gifts of the Spirit have continued and are continuing today, right? We're not a cessationist church. Cessationist churches teach that it all stopped with the apostles. In other words, it ceased, and they, they believe in Scripture They believe that it happened in scripture, but those miracles no longer happen today. And I think that's one of the biggest heresies. So we believe it and we teach it. I believe that in the prayer times here, come on, the Monday night men's group. Miracles can happen any, anywhere. Demons can be cast out. The sick be healed. I personally have never seen the dead raised. I've read stories. I'm still hungering for that. But I believe that in our day, we can see all the miracles that exist in Scripture in the book of Acts um, and, and beyond. Now, he, here's, here's the thing. We, we believe it all. It doesn't mean that every Sunday, everything has to happen. Okay, because we might be here all day, you know, but in your groups and as you interact in being the church, those things should be alive in some way. Um, and so I believe that we can have equipping sessions. I think we're gonna call them equipping modules at some point. We're probably gonna start with a freedom class um, to help people to walk in, in fullness of freedom. But we're gonna move into, I did a Holy Spirit class multiple times throughout my time at LifeWay. It's one of my favorite things to do, teaching people how to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit for themselves, teaching people then how to prophesy um, because that's like hearing from God and then declaring it out and all those kinds of things. So we'll, we'll get there. Equipping is necessary. Good for now.
1: I think that's probably good for now, and then you can privately answer a few of these questions.
0: All right. I want to do one final thing here in just a few minutes. I want to give Jay and Alina, would you come up to the stage? Uh, Alicia, give them the mic, actually. Would you welcome Jay and Alina to the stage real quick? <clears throat> In light of what we do here at Grace Church, I just wanted to better introduce Jay and Alina as our new youth leaders, and they're already doing a fantastic job, and so we did a quick like introduction prayer you know, over you, but I wanted to give you a moment just to share for maybe a couple minutes your heart for youth and why we create these spaces like we do, the, pro- the youth program, and, and then I want to end by just us praying and contending for the youth ministry. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, yeah, as, as uh, Vern introduced, I'm Jay. This is my wife, Alina. Um, we are happy to join you guys in January as the new youth leaders. How many of you guys have been youth at some point? <laughs> All right, yes, yeah, so it sounds Believe like everybody, right? And, and so in that, we recognize how important it is to sow into them, right? We want to you know, partner with the parents here, partner with our local church here to accomplish this mission, right? And we have three, three words we're gonna abide by with that along the lines of encounter there, which is um engage, which is establish and, excuse me, let me make sure I remember the last one here. Encourage, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, so in that, right, encouragement. We wanna encourage these kids <laughs> as they go through, right? How tough is it in high school? How tough is it coming in through middle school and stuff? I know that was the toughest time for me to, you know, as I'm discovering my identity and who I am. So we wanna encourage connection with them, to grow with each other, to see, like, what is God sown inside, right? Each of you know, God has given each and every one of us a special gift, something that we have inside, right? Yeah. You, can't, you can't judge that saying, right? You can't judge a fish by its ability to think it could climb a tree, right? Because it can't, but a fish can swim really good, right? What are our kids called to do? What has God sown into them to be, and how can we as a church, how can we as the leaders here help them, encourage them to discover that gift, to right. sow into that gift, and to use it here in God's kingdom, not out in the world, right? and then establish, right? That's that's crucial here establishing them in the word of God, establishing them in God's righteousness and their identity in Christ, right? Sending them out how often do we hear of kids going to college, going to out into the world, right? And that first moment their their faith is challenged, they kind of fall away. That's a, that's the age when most kids, most people tend to fall away if any time. So we want to make sure We're establishing them and giving them Mm -hmm. a a scriptural, a biblical basis to build their life on, to start that so that when they're launching out, when you're sending your kids out of your home and they're on their own, they're standing for themselves, they can stand confident, I've encountered God. I know what God has called me to be. I know who I am in Christ. And then in that as well, engage them into the church, right? Get them the opportunity to be a part of things here, right? I mean, it it starts, they start in kids ministry and thank you, Donna and and Rob back there in the kids' wing, leading these kids. And then from there, okay, cool, they have an opportunity to be a part of youth group and start serving in student teams, start serving and start, (laughs) you know, you see some of our our students here work on the the AV and team and stuff like that. And then to continue just, and in kids' men as well, um, but get them engaged into our community here and get them, you know, to be a part of things, keep them looped in, right? It's not just about the Sunday service or our youth services, and, um, but being able to keep them connected and keep them a part of things, keep them using that gift we talked about, right, to be a part of things here at Grace. And so I'm gonna give it to Alina to kind of talk about what some of that looks like. Come just on. a little
3: bit. So um, to add to that, we're planning, right now we meet second and fourth Sundays, but we're going to add an additional few days beginning in April where we have small group leaders they'll be able to take out their group out for ice cream or for bowling or to yeah. their own house just to That's create good. that bond that connection that the teens crave and on top of that we're gonna have a few events starting in March we're gonna have the chosen series episode four or sorry season four yeah. in March it's gonna be for two days on the big snacks screen. on the big yeah. screen it'll be fun. And then we're going to do March Madness like we did last year. And hopefully we can team up with Governor Mifflin School and and start our reach out there as well. And then another fun one is going to be a June retreat for three days at Refreshing Mountain Camp. Lots of activities, lots of messages, and lots of connection time. So we're very, very super excited about everything. And some of you parents, thank you so much for reaching out and already supporting us. We're very, very thankful for it.
0: Amen. We love you guys. Thank you. (laughs) What I would love. Yeah. You can kill that. Um, what what I would love is, uh, just in closing here, if Jane and Alina, you would stand down there again, and if some people, especially youth parents and youth, would jump up and pray for them. If you're if you're here and you are a youth, you're from sixth grade, somewhere up at 12, 12th grade, would you jump to your feet if you're so bold? And we wanna pray for you as well. Some of you are bold. Yeah, yeah, there's just a few of you. Good, good. jump to your feet so we can pray for you. If not, we're going to pray for you anyway. But um, some of you gather around here, and let's just close. Let's all of us stand now. If there's a youth close to you, ask them if you can pray with them. If they look around that age, (laughs) just pray for them. Let's close in praying for youth. I'll pray publicly, but some of you come and lay hands on Jane and Lena. Let's pray for the youth in our day and ask God for, ask for some God encounter. God, we just close this service by saying we thank you that we are positioned for God encounter. We're created to encounter you face to face. We're created, Lord, that, that no one should slip through um, your, your, your view, that no one should be left alone and no one should be left out. All of us are created for one God encounter after the next. And so we declare that all of our youth would experience that. In this season some of you start praying aloud I feel like I'm praying all by myself up here start using your voice praying pray for someone that you know or pray for the youth there's youth that need to experience their own move of God there's some youth that just have a lot going on there's a huge huge battle raging for the youth in our day a huge huge battle raging in high schools in colleges of course but in high schools and even grade schools there's huge battles raging on the bus. Would you declare Jesus Christ over them? How about we do this? Let's just say, I speak the name of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus over our young people in this generation. I declare the name of Jesus. I speak salvation. I speak freedom in the mighty name of Jesus. And I declare that in this youth ministry at Grace Church, there would be salvations and freedoms and equipping every week, every other week as they meet and on all the events that we're planning out, Lord, that they would be fully equipped for what they're facing in this culture and in this generation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen, somebody. You guys can keep praying over Jan and Lena. Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, I would love for you, for the sake of time, I would love for you to come up front and just pray with the prayer warriors. That are, Those of you that are on the ministry team, would you make your way here to the front? If you need to, you need salvation, you need your own God encounter, would you come up here and just spend some time praying with the prayer warriors before you go? If you need prayer for anything at all, it doesn't have to be anything I preached, anything at all, you feel convicted in some way, you're battling something in some way, would you come up front before you leave, before you head out too quickly? Well, hey, I bless you with the word of the Lord as you go. I bless you with all of God's favor and his love. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Love you like crazy. Thanks so much.